listening to John Connor Herbert on the firmware emotive. And today's podcast is about character analysis, sex, and the emotional plague. And with this podcast, it felt really important to touch on the sexual energy that I'll be referring to is, it can be called like um, orgone, orgastic potency, uh, libido, chi, prana, and kundalini. And uh, Freud spoke about the libido, and I feel like science in general really hasn't encapsulated what the libido is and how it how you can track it and how you can monitor it. Um, I feel like it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's one of those senses that I feel like outside of uh, hormonal checks and balances, it's something that remains remains quite elusive, um, evidence based wise, but experiential wise, we know it exists. Like you know when you feel aroused, you know when there are those moments where you get that tingling and you feel like you want to either have sex with the person that you're interacting with or have sex with yourself. And I feel like that is the libidic energy and that is what I'll be referring to. Now, I'll start with the emotional plague. Now, Wilhelm Reich proposed that the world is full of neurotic characters And the neurotic character is um, rigid. He's very um, non-fluid and finds it troubling, if not at all impossible, to achieve uh, a complete orgasm. And a complete orgasm involves a full body shake where your whole body trembles. Now... The more wounding you, unaddressed wounding that you have, the more armoring that you create and the more splits that you have between your energy centers, it's harder for that chi, prana, libido, kundalini to flow. And it doesn't matter how many awakenings you have, they're still going to struggle to flow and they will close down until you deal with the, the childhood wounding. Now... We see a lot of the emotional plague in both sides of the political spectrum. Um, Horseshoe theory. The right or the conservatives use religion and family values and um, puts sex on a pedestal and, and tries to limit sexual expression and that has caused a rift, particularly around shame and being free, being able to express yourself both in the bedroom and in public. And then on the left, they feel this suppression. However, the way they're going about it is is not conducive to breaking down any barriers, like it's a an entitlement type of setup um, where there's so much confusion around sexual identity born of 
this religiosity that it, it's, it's spun out of control. So on both sides of the um, liberal and or far left liberal spectrum and the conservative spectrum, in the middle balance there's people that just want to be like enjoy their bodies, enjoy their lives um, without encroaching on anybody else's liberty or sovereignty or responsibilities. Now, Reich proposed that to treat the emotional plague, one must treat the body and the trauma in the body, which involves being able to breathe deeply and fully, um, being able to move your, your limbs independently, particularly your hips. Um, I mentioned in a previous podcast uh, a lot of the men that are new to our work really struggle with just being able to move their hips. And um, as a, a thrusting motion for sex, it, it's really important. And it's, it, it identifies like a split with being able to connect your, your pelvis to your heart and your head. What I'll go into next is the character analysis. Now, everyone has some degree of the five types. And I want to uh, emphasize that when you use these terms as a pathology, it's actually quite damaging. Like when you, we start to say like, oh, I am depressed, or I am this, or I have, I have depression, or I have some kind of ailment. There's an identity that, that subliminally reinforces inside of you. So when I read out these, I'm only going to address uh, four and then three subtypes of one of them. Um, when I call them out, like orality or oral, schizoid, masochist, rigid, I'd like for you to just have an intention around that if these resonate with you, um, try not to take it on board into your spirit. Just acknowledge that there's other treatment options out there that emphasize some of these patterns that other modalities might not go into. So I'll start off with orality or the oral and a lot of these names came from Freud's developmental stages. So the oral, this is very early in life, and it can even be um, in the womb. They tend to be highly addictive. They tend to seek out um, stimulants and things to keep their energy up or avoid feeling. They're unable to sustain relationships. There's intense fears of being alone. They can be quite um, energetically vampiric, um, like a longing in their eyes, and they can have an ocular block. Um, they love pleasure, and they're quite sexually creative. Uh, they do their best to avoid abandonment, which can mean like if they're in a relationship with someone that just gives them breadcrumbs of emotion then they're more than likely to take it and treasure it like it's, it's the best thing on earth. However, they will never be satiated. 
So if you're on the receiving end of uh, orality, it can be quite challenging to say no um, because of the eruption of emotion or argue for gratitude because um, there's an element when in early life where their mother was emotionally unavailable and that creates a, a black hole uh, of, of want. Um, a lot of people that would fit um, an oral description are also activists. Um, there's a there's a correlation between orality and not being satiated with an outcome. And for them, treatment-wise, it's it's helping them regress or rebirth into that stage of development where their mother was able to give them love um, where you you bring someone in or you get them to reparent themselves um, and, and fill themselves up with the love um, also various exercises that involve them being able to overcome things by themselves uh, and being able to ask for help the next one is the schizoid now the schizoid uh, happens after the after orality, and they can be very intuitive, and they tend to not be in their body. And by that, I mean they can seem like they're not there, like they might initiate a conversation, and then all of a sudden, like energetically, you feel like they've gone. They've actually not there anymore and there can be quite vacant look in their eyes um, schizoids also have sex to feel so it is very unsafe it feels very unsafe for a schizoid to feel and having another body there can can help them feel feelings that they struggle feeling by themselves they have very harsh splits on their head, between their head, their feelings and sex, and they can struggle with spontaneity. Um, I, I, I feel for um, all of these types, but I feel particularly for the, the oral, oral and, the, and the schizoid, because it's very hard for them to ground and feel safe on the earth. It's very challenging. It takes a great deal of courage in order to admit first that you feel unsafe and then work towards feeling safe and creating boundaries and um, basically descending I've found a lot of schizoids like to be in nature to escape and they choose hobbies and meditations to escape into their head or escape out of their body like astral projection and, um, and other modalities and, and skill sets like that. The masochist. So, the masochist, again, I, f I feel for the masochist as well. It's, it's one of the hardest um, character structures to treat because of the, the self-deprecation. And, again, it's early, early life, between like three years and 12 years, um, where the mother 
and or the father uh, suppress their needs and wants. So say the child or if you're the child and you want to go and play with a toy that's over by a window somewhere and you start heading towards it, one of your caregivers would tell you to stop and stop doing that. Like, don't go and play with that toy, play with something else or don't go over there. So every time that happens, it creates a shock response in the body. Um, so if your parents didn't approach that with a loving guidance and care, that and you might be able to feel that now. You know when someone says something to you, and it's, it, it's shocking and you can feel it in your whole body, your whole body shocks? Well, that just happens again and again and again for a masochist and they end up building up um, very big musculature around their body, like a, a cushioning of dealing and suppressing with emotions like underneath all that's like a, a, a blind fury uh, however the the masochist is prone to being submissive um, they ha tend to have a preoccupation with porn and masturbation and they go out of their way to please um, and like betray their own like authentic feelings and, and withholds the truth um, because if they, as soon as they speak the truth, you know, someone's going to hate them for it or shock them for it. Or, and that's built into the, the body, um, that response. So for the masochist, it's about a lot of um, body work and being able to say no, like, like meaning, like a real like guttural no. Um, after the masochist, we have the rigid... And the rigid presents with typically a, a series of broken relationships um, and or affairs. And sex and emotional gratitude are uh, somewhat felt separately. And they really struggle feeling that with the same person. So say you have a partner, you might give your heart to the partner but then you'll end up having an affair with somebody else or fantasizing about somebody else. So there's a split between the sexuality and the heart. And that usually comes from the opposite sex parent uh, in, in where they were, when they started going through that puberty phase, um, their sexuality was either rejected or disapproved of. And some of the subtypes, like the... For the men, the phallic narcissist, um, sex can be a very um, frantic act, um, like bunny sex, um, where there's a lot of contempt towards the other person. And the other subcategory, the passive feminine, which takes its lead from elements of masochism, will prefer to be submissive and really struggle with being able to express what they want. So they'll tend to just go along with whatever the partner wants or go along with whatever feels right, um, but not authentic. Like they'll behave correctly, but it will be inauthentic for them, um, which is quite a painful thing to address. And then the hysterical rigid is similar to the um, phallic... The, sorry, the hysterical female is similar to the phallic male, the phallic narcissistic, where, again... Um, frantic, um, aggressive sex. 
intellect rules over the heart. And it's, it's a very confusing time for someone to, to forge their identity at, at that critical path point in life. They can also choose work over finding love. And they find, because their head rules their life, it's very easy for them to find justifications to avoid finding love or accepting love or realising that there is someone that loves them and being able to let them in. Because um, any expression of authenticity leads to rejection, which is a fucking painful wound. Like... You just cannot be yourself without being rejected. And uh, there are a lot of rigids in the world. And they're very efficient. And they're the system creators. And without being connected to your heart, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, a recipe for collective disaster. Now, don't get me wrong, your head is important. However, when they're out of balance, which I see a lot of the world is at the moment, we are very much off kilter. And we either demonize the head or overglorify the heart or um, overglorify the head and demonize the heart. So we're not at the balance yet, and I feel like that is showing up in all components of our systems um, political, um, food, um, everything, environment. So I feel like. This is really important. Um, also with the highly neurotic people, we're also seeing an escalation of depression. Now, Alexander Lowen proposed that depression is hatred turned inwards. Now, if you can't express the hatred that you have for your caregivers during these stages of life, whether it was a mother bringing you into the world and, and not giving you the love that you needed, um, the family system not being safe or your mother being chronically ill, uh, your mother being suppressive and not allowing you to freely explore, to being rejected or shamed during your puberty years. Um, like If you don't get treatment for those, then there's, there's a high chance and express some of that the catharsis of the hatred with the psychodynamic. The psychodynamic is really important because you really need to feel that hatred. You will sink into a depression. There is no doubt that a lot of the mental illness that we have today is a failure to address the, 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 the elements of rage that are trapped in the body. Now, moving on from this, I'd like to talk about uh, leaky sexuality. Now, a lot of these types can have what is known as a leaky sexuality, so they'll attract unwanted attention, um, particularly the, the masochist and orals. They will attract um, people that either want to just use them or just, just not treat them with any humanity. And until you address the core woundings, you will always feel like you're attracting people that, that aren't a fit for you. And 
I know the pill for women has been praised as like this, this freedom, um, this freedom-giving device and technology. However, when I, when I discuss the pill with women and when I um, see how women have become more casual sex orientated, it, it, all the, the, the contempt and all of the unaddressed emotional shit that males have gets put in them. And this might be confronting to some. This is a, a hyperdimensional component where, like, men, I, some of the men in our work and the, and the men, and for me personally, some of the stuff that I've healed through, like um, my contempt and objectification of women, requires a bodily sacrifice of doing some form of catharsis and owning it that in front of women, ideally, around that, you know, that I want, I feel like I want to objectify you. And this is done in, in a safe space where, again, with like an encounter group that I mentioned before, where everybody is in agreement that everybody is carrying some shit. Everybody is carrying some kind of hatred. And that's a very thin line between love and hate. However, we've suppressed our feelings enough and we're reaching a critical point in mental illness where even teenagers now, uh, their rate of depression is escalating other demographics. And I feel like every time we have a child with, and we don't address our wounding, that gets compounded and passed on to the next generation. So I feel like it's important that we have tools for the next generations to, to heal what is going on. Uh, that stands out of what I want to talk about, character analysis and those four types and, and three subtypes. There is a, a fifth one, which is the psychopath, and it's a hybrid of two of the other ones, and they feel like they're always going to be betrayed, and, and it, it's challenging for them to be able to feel safe, like no one is trustworthy. So it can be a little bit like a bit of the rigid, a bit of the masochist, and a bit of, bit of oral orality. And it's, and even the schizoid, it's really challenging for someone that has got a, a psychopathic bodily structure and energy flow to heal their sexual wounds um, because it requires being vulnerable. It requires admitting that your parents um, competed to make you love either one, where it was like you felt like you were caught in between both, and it's almost like a, a bipolar split between um, your mother and your father in same-sex relationships. Well, that's what I want to share with about Reich, character analysis, a little bit of hyperdimensional stuff, a little bit about the pill, emotional plague, and leaky sexuality. If this resonates with you or you feel like somebody else would benefit from hearing about this or even asking some questions then feel free to hit me up or share it and I'll talk to you all more soon much love bye